Hello, and welcome to From Our Perspective to Therapist Moms and a Mic. I'm Claudia Glassman. And I am Katie Truax, and we are here today with my dear friend and Reiki master, Prajna Ananda. Um, so excited to have her here. I hope I pronounced that right, did I? It's Prajna. Yeah. The J is pronounced like a G in Sanskrit. Okay. <laughs> okay, Prajna Ananda, sorry about that. And um, so I say she's my Reiki master because she is the one who works on me personally to keep my energy where it needs to be about once a month. And she um, also works out of our wellness clinic about once to twice a month. So that's super fun. We get to have her there to see our clients and patients too, and to just help them on their wellness journey, mind, body, and spirit. Um, do you want to just say a little bit about who you are and wh like what your background is? Sure. Thank you, Katie. And thank you, Claudia, for having me today. This is my first podcast. So I'm super excited because I love to chat um, <laughs> about real life stuff. Um, I am, I usually, you know, introduce myself first as a mom. I mean, I'm a homeschool mom. I'm a full-time mom. I'm a single mom. And I homeschool my first grader, but uh, my background is my career for the last nine years has really been um, yoga training, uh, yoga meditation teachings. And now for the past um, three years or so, um, doing some Reiki and uh, energy healing training courses and things like that. So I have a yoga school now. I had a studio for about eight years and then I closed that. And now I run the yoga teacher training uh, programs. Um, and Reiki certifications. And then I homeschool my daughter full time and I do some intuitive healing work with clients and I've dabbled in and trying to get back to some courses where I work more with uh, groups of clients or individual clients to guide them on their spiritual journey to help them take, like give them like a roadmap to take back their power, to empower them to take control of their lives, like ownership of their lives in the, in the sense of their emotional responses and mental well-being and um, staying balanced in life, which is what we're all trying to do. Right. And I'm struggling with that all the time or practicing that all the time. And so I bring that my real life experience to clients and students. Love that. That's so rich and diverse. <laughs> Thanks. I can't nail down that 11 second elevator pitch like they tell you to do, <laughs> like, well, do this and this and this and this but there it is <laughs> 30 seconds <laughs> I love it well and so you so okay so I felt like bringing you on would be a really nice kind of natural segue because last week we talked with um a let's see how do we summarize what Emily does a professional kind of career, career advisor resume she's like an expert resume writer too right yes but she's she does career advising most uh, I don't know if she writes a ton anymore because now she has writers that work under her so a lot of like career advising she basically career. runs a career advisory firm that does resume writing LinkedIn profiles um, interview prep and probably other stuff I don't know about Emily was our guest last week to talk about kind of from a professional perspective, helping moms get back into the workforce after having been out for a while um, to, to be moms. And um, she's a mom herself and an entrepreneur. And then here this week, we have um, 
I, I, I still want to call you Kim because that's how we first met. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Both names are. I, if I slip into that, I apologize. But um, and say pro Hargi, right? Pragnia. Prag Is that right? Yes. Close. Okay. Pragnia. <laughs> um, to kind of talk about it more from like a personal perspective, right? And from um a. a a professional perspective as well because you are working on as your kids are aging kind of figuring out that balance of working kind of with them in the home working outside of the home and then also helping your clients with kind of their journey as well your, your kind of spiritual coaching clients and 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 creating that work-life balance for them in and out of the home so you can kind of talk about this kind of from a this kind of topic from both angles there yeah and so you, but you've been an entrepreneur for quite some time and a mom for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cause there's a 10 year gap between my kids. So my oldest is 17 and my, and then my youngest is seven. So been a mom for a while. <laughs> yeah. And how long, um, have you also been an entrepreneur? I would say, I guess about nine years. Um, before that, I was in the workplace. I dabbled in different things. I started honestly in hospitality. And then that brought me, um, well, during that time, I fell into kind of steered it when I was pregnant with my first born, I started getting interested in nutrition and fitness and health. So then I, I started doing more kind of personal training and nutritional advice and and still like, you know, waitressing or working at coffee shops on the side. And then when I moved up here, I was uh, full on doing training and health um, coaching kind of stuff and fitness classes. And then I started working at a, at the spa at Emerald Grand in Destin. And through there, I sort of discovered some management skills and as well, I started doing more yoga. So I started teaching what I was doing at home. And then I realized what this was, was yoga. And then it became this calling. Mm -hmm. And when I heard the calling to go to yoga teacher training, a series of beautiful divine events, I mean, down to the exact dollar amount that I needed to go to India to do my training happened, even like the loss of a job, like happened. It was insane the way it all came together. And after that, so that was about 2012. And I transitioned into teaching yoga on my own. And then I went to India in two, early 2013 in January and got certified. And right when I came home, I started teaching uh, locally at parks and, and community centers. I still never really taught at a yoga studio. It was just like my own thing. And then I found the perfect place. Again, divine timing and the exact amount came through. And I was led to open Sunshine Yoga uh, Studio in Destin. And then I had two of those. So that was in 2013. So I had it for about eight years. I closed it in 2021. And then I've been just facilitating the training courses and doing teaching online and various places and workshops, renting spaces, things like that since then. So I've been kind of freelancing for a while. <laughs> That's so cool. And so you, you started all this, you said, um, you said nine years ago. And so your daughter at that time would have been what, six. Is that right? Yeah, she was six. Uh, I think she's just turning. Yep. She was six when I was opening the studio, when I went to India and then, yeah, right around then. And then I tried to homeschool her for a while. We did about a year and a half and then I got pregnant with my other one. Uh, and by the time she rolled around when she was born, I was exhausted and I felt like I wasn't, um, I was doing Alina, my oldest, a disservice by not having her in school. I didn't feel like I could dedicate the time. And I was still running the yoga studio and teaching, you know, a lot. So 
So I sent her back to school and now she's in school and she graduates this year and then I'm homeschooling my second one. So she kind of grew up in the studio when I was homeschooling her. She would be at the yoga studio helping check in clients and, you know, do some artwork and some schoolwork while I was teaching. And then my little one came about when I, and I had two studios running at that time. And she would go in with my, to my 6am hot yoga classes uh, <laughs> and, and doing like mom and tot classes and just kind of integrating mom life with a toddler into my teachings so yeah <laughs> that's pretty cool uh, we ellie kind of had a similar experience but you know slightly different she um she decided she wanted to be homeschooled after pre-k so gosh i don't know i guess that was before five so so her she did kindergarten and first at home and you know she asked us to to homeschool her and you know as being entrepreneurs ourselves, right? My husband and I were grateful for the opportunity to say yes to that. But, um, you know, thinking like, well, we have the scheduling flexibility, but, you know, we still also have to work for a living. And so she also got kind of toted around from home to the office and we kind of would set her up somewhere where she can't be obviously in session with me, but sometimes she would go in with her dad or um, she would, right now we're in a space where we have enough room for her to kind of camp out and we have for I guess a few years um now where she gets like her own separate kind of area at our office that she can go in and read or draw or color or now work on her homework because she's also back in school but I mean I'll be honest like I don't know if we actually homeschooled I think her dad probably did a little bit <laughs> with her but I just would say we kept her alive for two years you know because and, and like kindergarten I kind of feel like all right well kiddos can just go and play right and be social and explore the world and then first grade um, it was clear we were failing her <laughs> we always had our sights set on this amazing school here locally that um we just fell in love with when we first moved to our area about seven years ago. And then at the time they didn't start until second grade. So we were just like, all right, like hold on <laughs> until second grade. Um, the school kind of started as a homeschool and then um, transitioned into a private school um, for all the whole area. But um, so we, we got her in there at second, but prior to that, she, she was, we called her the office mascot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how Lena was. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Little yoga baby running around. Ten years apart, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and so what now? So now your little one is at the same kind of age, right? Or getting close to where your oldest was when you started your studio. Yeah, that's right. She just you're, started trying to, you're revisiting some of these ideas now, right? We were talking about this last week, kind of these okay, working, homeschooling, what are we doing? How much are we doing of each? How do we balance it all? Tell us yeah. how. Yeah, so, you know, I was telling you, Katie, last week that I was so excited um, to go in and offer Reiki in an office and get up and shower and get dressed and, and you know, drop her off and go drive and come to work, per se. And it was so crazy because I'm just not used to that. And I really loved it. It gave me some sense of accountability. It gave me a sense of purpose. Even though I know I'm fulfilling an amazing purpose, I do not do well without structure. And I really don't do do well creating my own structure. I literally can't create structure. I've tried. Um, so similar to you, I feel some days like, oh, I'm just keeping her alive. But I do have a homeschool group and a little more, um, not 
not structure, but I guess guidelines or something that we're following. And I do coin it as unschooling. So I let her do a lot of art and play and it is first grade still. So there's a lot of leeway. And then she's learning very unconventionally, learning how to read unconventionally by um, asking me how to spell things. So she has a little journal and she knows her letters because luckily she did go to preschool. So she learned her alphabet, um, although she didn't know it completely, but through discussion and talking and interactive play with her tablet and with uh, her journal, she's asking how to spell things and then reading them back. And so she's actually learning how to read that way, which is super cool and unconventional. And that's what I love about the unschooling. But for me, I can either get lost in just hanging out with her all day or I feel like I'm, you know, putting, I hate to say the word, shoving her aside, locking her in the room going, you stay in there and let me work. So we're creating this, I'm trying to create this boundary so I can set up some blocks of time where I work. And then she does her either work or watching a documentary or playing on her, playing Minecraft, which I feel like is great development for her brain. But um, so there's those moments where I feel like I'm failing her. I'm a bad parent. I'm not doing enough. I'm a bad entrepreneur. I'm not working hard enough. Um, and then there's those moments of oh, I'm doing the best I can. And then I get reminded I am helping people. I have, you know, accomplished some things. I am still an inspiration to certain people. And so there's for me, it's this personal battle, this balance of am I doing enough? Am I doing good enough? Which I think that as moms, typically we have that. Um, complex you know it's a kind of a natural thing like I need to do more I'm not doing enough and we compare ourselves mm -hmm. to others but having that um, accountability coming into your office was really nice for me and since then I've been very productive at home and I still am not perfect I get a lot of overwhelm and a lot of stress with dealing with personal issues life transitional issues um, emotional things and then trying to get it all done and try to make money so that I can support us while still homeschooling her so in that, I have actually found that uh, my biggest tool, and there's many tools within this tool, or the biggest, I guess, solution is to keep my vibration high. And to do that, I've discovered tools through all of my studies and trainings and a book that I'm reading right now. Um, and one of those is getting out of myself. So I have to get out of myself, either go to work, like at your clinic, or um, go for a walk in nature, take her to the park, or uh, when her sister gets home, leaving for a half an hour or however long I need to just kind of, you know, ground myself again. Um, but my favorite solution that I discovered, rediscovered again yesterday was uh, the kids kind of spontaneously went to their dad's unexpectedly. And I was like, oh, I have free time. And I met with a friend who wanted to work through and process some of his own stuff that personal things that he's been going through. And he's also in the healing community and a spiritual guide and helps people work through this intuitively he's very very good at helping people process emotions and past trauma and childhood trauma and and things like this while being an entrepreneur and we met up and re didn't realize that so much of our paths were very parallel and that I recognized in myself and so did he that we tend to isolate when these things happen because we think you know, because we do have the tools, we have the experience, we help others through these kind of things. But when it comes to our own lives, we don't always take our own advice. It's really hard because you get caught up in the whirlwind of, you know, emotion and childhood trauma and these cycles that we repeat and these mental patterns. So what I've found for that is to break away 
and meet up with a friend or go in nature, go for a walk or go to a yoga class. Cause to sit down and just meditate, <laughs> which I would say would be great for you. I know is great for you is for me impossible when my mind is crazy like that. So I'm still discovering um, all the time, packing on more tools in my toolbox of how to raise my vibration, to be present with my child, to, to be productive with my work and also work on my own mental and emotional health and process it health, you know, in a healthy way. I love that. You know, one of the things that I always notice too, is like, I feel like my day is a million and one transitions that don't make sense or don't like flow into one another. You know, it's like, I do a client session. There may or may not be knocking at the door, which we have discussed, but you know, kids, then it's, you know, what did you need? I needed this, which is totally not relevant to what I just did. And then it's, you know, a podcast and then it's this, and then it's a doctor's appointment. Like, I don't know. It's just like, you're jumping around to a million different places. And I love this idea of stepping away because sometimes my kids know when my sessions end, they, you know, they track like, okay, it's an hour and they look at, you know, the time and they're like, I know she's done. Sometimes I just sit there for five minutes, not doing anything really, just kind of trying to decompress from, you know, containing someone's therapy session before I open the door and see my two little faces staring at me wanting, you know, whatever they need. Um, but that moment to like step away, even if it's a minute, right. Even if it's just me for a minute, staring at a wall in my office, waiting to regroup before I do the next thing. Um, because it's, it's like this nonstop, sometimes almost like an assault of tasks and things coming at you, you know, then there's laundry and dinner and all the things um, that it can be really hard to stay present in all those moments, right? Present with my clients, present with my kids and not kind of push them aside and be like, you know, <laughs> I can't right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause they've been waiting for me, right? They wait for me to finish because they're trying to connect with me. And then I come out and I'm like, Oh, I can't right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I can all of that. And then like the other day, another thing that I did was I had so much, I had a, I think I had an online session. Right. And then I, and then my daughter needed me. Cause she was, like you said, watching the time I show her on the analog clock. Like she's like, well, what's an hour. And I'm like, when this hand gets to this one, this is when I'm done. So she's tracking me, watching me needing things. So then I have to switch to mom mode. And I, sometimes I use that time to decompress a little with her. Like, okay, let's just watch a show together. Or let's do uh, play a board game or do a puzzle. Um, and I give her this block of time, but sometimes like the other day I was so overwhelmed with, but I got to get this out and this out, like in my professional life, like I got to create money and things that I couldn't be present with her. And I found myself not being able to be present with her or complete my tasks. Um, and so what I had to do was literally walk outside. Uh, oh, cause I tried to do a meditation and she interrupted it, which actually threw me for a bigger loop. So I actually grabbed the mail key and walked outside. Didn't tell her I was leaving. She was inside. It was fine. Walked outside to check the mail and just stood out there on the grass. And I cried a little bit. And so <laughs> I cry a lot when I get stressed. So I let myself cry. Luckily around here, everybody goes to work. So I don't have too many neighbors staring at me because there's always that self-conscious thing. But I was like, I don't care. I'm just going to sit here. So I sat <laughs> on, the, on like sort of the sidewalk edge with my feet in the grass and cried for a minute check the mail, let the sun hit my face. When I came back in, I was completely refreshed. Mm. It was amazing. It only took like two minutes to go outside and come back. So that's another tool you could yeah. use. I'm going to, I'm going to go outside. Um, 
Yeah, I love that because I think we get so caught up in the to-dos, whether it's the parenting to-dos, the work to-dos, all the to-dos that like we do sometimes forget to reset and, you know, most of it's not as urgent as it feels. Right. It's kind of keeping that in perspective too, but we get so caught up in, mm-hmm. in the moment, right. And the pressure and the, the anxiety and the need to produce, I guess. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like, how do you for yourself and maybe even kind of, you know, coach those you work with, like, how do you, how do you distinguish that so that you don't get caught in that trap all the time? Cause that's what I think I see a lot of people get stuck, right. Is this, this constant need to be the most productive and rock as a mom and we're Pinteresting the lunches and we're excel, you know, and um, I think Katie and I did a podcast on this uh, not being perfect and kind of being like, screw it. Um, that's kind of my solution, but that might be the, you know, the other end of the spectrum of like, ah, I don't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, What's your advice on, on that, on trying to kind of keep the perspective so that it's sustainable and makes sense. That is a really good topic. And it's funny because I can relate with, I think I swing uh, both ways uh, where I'm like, but I have to do this and this is important. And then I remember not to take myself so seriously. And I tend to go, I mean, screw it. I just don't care. I don't care how, you know, um, how I look or how I'm seeming as a parent being here present with my child is the most important thing. So the first thing I would say that I do is remember that Um, like you said, that not everything is so urgent and so important. We think all these things are important and yes, paying the bills is important, but taking a few minutes to remember that our mental and emotional well-being is so important for our children, that just being present, looking them in the eyes, taking a moment to, um, listen to their story and do something you may not want to do, like play Barbies or watch another, how they do, you know, she wants to teach me how she's building things in Minecraft. And I'm like, so sometimes I just force myself to be present with her is the first thing I do, even for a few moments to remember that everything else is not so important when it comes to the health of my child, the mental and emotional health. And if I continue to push her away and not give her that time, because I'm so overwhelmed, then I know that it's going to have a, uh, it's going to pay a toll on her mental and emotional well-being. So the first thing I think is to just try to be present. The other thing that I have really, really started doing is that even with that list, I might have a long to-do list in the day. And some of it is very important. Like there's deadlines maybe when it comes to accountability with other people or getting this certain thing out because you have a, you're launching something soon. Um, I've started making a priority list with, even though I have, I just do a bulleted list every day, handwritten. I like to handwrite my stuff. It very important things I'll put in my calendar with reminders, but I typically go to the list. And then what I do is as I'm watching the day go by and the balance of the day, and also those things that get thrown at us, like doctor's appointments or unexpectedly my daughter needs a ride somewhere. I have to stop my day. What I do is I'll circle those items. Like, well, this has to get done before I go to sleep tonight. Like I have to take the time to at least do the bare minimum. Even if I can't get all the promo out, I create the Facebook ad, like done. And then the other one on the other side of it is I circle or make sure this priority happens with the health of my child. So like I made her a promise that we would play this board game or I made her a promise I would take her you know, to do mini golf, like for weeks now, or, or we said we'd go to the park. So I make sure that there's like one thing for professional in my professional life. And one thing with the being a mom or homeschool thing gets done. And sometimes that's all that gets done and that's okay. And, and I feel good about that. I'm like, cause I'm fulfilling a promise to my child. I'm fulfilling a promise to myself and I'm showing up for myself. 
And in that sense, then I know I'm doing the best that I can. And I don't have to post about it and nobody has to know about it. And it just feels really good with me that I'm keeping, you know, that promise to myself and my child. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And I mean, part of that. What were is you there another say? part of the question? She said, is there another part of the question? Did she answer the whole question? <laughs> I think you were going to ask a question, Katie. <laughs> well, I was just going to kind of echo this um, idea of a list, right? Um, or a system for prioritizing or structuring, right? I mean, you know, and, and to be fair, this is something I've heard from so many clients over the years. Moms are not, too. I mean, I have clients who are entrepreneurs on any level, right? Whether they're, they're solely self-employed and business owners or um, are in maybe like a hybrid position where they work away from an office or in something like sales or in a creative field where they, they're tied to something larger than themselves, like a company or corporation, but still have a lot of autonomy for how they get their work done and so forth and so on. And, and this question of, am I getting enough done, right? How do I balance everything? Because you know, as moms, obviously we have our kiddos, which are maybe the most important thing, I would say second to our own health and well-being, right? And we've all kind of talked about that too. Um, although the two can vacillate for the top priority, I guess, depending on what's screaming the loudest, right? But um, we got to make sure we're around and healthy in order to be able to be there for our kiddos. Um, but, you know, those two things really come first, but then there's all the other things, right? Claudia, like you mentioned, like, taking care of the house and the laundry and meals. And Kim, you touched on, you know, making money so we can pay our bills. And, um, you know, there's other things that always come up that want to scream for our attention, right? Throughout every day, all, the, all day long, right? Um, and how do we balance all this? And so many people struggle with this. And then one of you, I think Claudia, it was you mentioned social media from our, our former podcast about that comparison and that perfectionism. And, you know, I've had young moms in my office and say, well, I see um, so-and-so on social media and her house is always perfect, right? Or, you know, so-and-so on social media and she's just such an amazing career person and I feel like I can't get mine launched, right? And this comparison is so big and so hard, right? And kind of, Kim, I like what you mentioned about your system helps you focus your mind and your energy on the one thing that's most important to you and the one thing that's most important to your girls each day. And if you can do those things, then it, the day was successful. Yeah. <laughs> love it. I love it. And I think that everybody needs a system for prioritizing. Claudia, do you help your clients um, create systems for prioritizing? Do you have like a favorite way that you coach people to do this or help them? if you have um, adult clients? Um, it varies. It's, it's funny how the universe works because I literally just had a session on this yesterday and it wasn't child related. It was just life related. How do I, how do I put my time towards things that matter and say no to things that I can't do and, and not get overwhelmed? And um, I actually, I asked them to look at their values because I think so much gets... I think when we live out of alignment with our values, right? Like if a family is your top priority of value, but you're pumping so much energy into work, you start getting anxious and kind of feeling out of balance, right? Because you're not, you're not living in relationship to what you value the most. 
So I think that starts to nag at us and create discomfort, right? Because inherently we know we're out of, we're out of whack. So I've started having people really deep dive in, okay, like how much do you value financial stuff, right? How much do you value family time? How much do you value giving back to your community and volunteering? How much do you, right? And kind of like in these clusters. And then from there, depending on how they rank, because everyone's going to rank that differently. For some people, money might be number one, right? And the rest of it goes, it's okay, right? And so going from there being like, okay, how do you then use your energy to kind of feed the values that you have? as knowing that you sometimes have to do these other things too. Right. But just to kind of keep in perspective. So I kind of do that. I, you know, sometimes I think it's practical, like in our house, we eat dinner together every single night. That is something we do. If the kids have a late soccer practice, whatever we wait and we eat together. That's kind of how we make sure we build in certain times for each other. So we structure some of our times to kind of create the things we want to focus on that we can easily lose track of because everyone's busy. So for us, it, it is family dinners every night. It works for us right now. Um, we do Sunday family cooking where we all make dinner together and really it's not all of us helping, but we're all in the kitchen together pretending to cook or chop or wash or whatever we're doing. Um, it's usually me not helping. I'm not going to lie. Right. And so we're all in the kitchen together and we kind of, we create these little moments of rituals, right. Um, to make sure we hit some of those moments, right. So before the day gets crazy or at the end of the day, since we all need to eat anyway, well, we're all, let's all do it together and connect. And then everyone can scatter and go dive back into whatever, you know, sometimes I go back and I need to finish working because I didn't finish my stuff for the day. And, um, the kids kind of wrap up some of their things. And so we kind of disperse, but we've created, you know, 30, 45 minutes of us sitting together at the table and eating. So I find like, if you can structure your days a little bit, it helps. Um, but that's so lifestyle dependent, right? Um, in yeah, terms I of think that's like a whole nother good topic, which is this idea of structure and boundaries, right? But, um, Okay, so we've got Kim. You 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 do kind of the one thing. What's the mo what's the one thing, right? Every day, Claudia, you talk about values first and identifying kind of um, what your values are, and then structuring your day based on making sure the things you value most get your attention at the the top of the list, right? Ideally, yeah, mm -hmm. or maybe just you know feeding those things more than getting, cause we all get sucked into things that we don't need to be sucked into. Right. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, and, and learning maybe to, um, you know, kindly decline certain things that aren't in our best interest. Yeah. I love that. I, um, I teach a, a kind of a hybrid and something similar to what you guys both do. Um, I kind of been working on my model that, that I use personally. And then what I teach my clients in session. Um, and so often I'll do kind of as a therapist, I do a combination of process-based psychotherapy. And then every now and then, if I feel like there's something more active or more behavioral or more directive that could really move the needle for somebody, I will definitely kind of shift and, and do that in session as needed. And this is one of the things that over the years, I've just had clients like drink in, like just, oh, thank you so much, right? Like it was so helpful to get something so specific and tangible that I could use. Um, 
And I kind of do like a multi-step process to help people work through this on their own. And I start with an exercise um, called the wheel of life. It's something that I didn't make up. I don't know who did, but um, I won't take credit for that. And basically I have clients draw out a picture of a, of a pie, right? And I let them make a list kind of beside their pie. And we start with eight pieces of the pie because it divides up nice and even. But then I tell them, you know, if you need more pieces, you can have more pieces or less pieces is fine too. Um, and then I have them make a list of every segment of their life, right? That's important to them. Um, and I have one that I use. Um, and so I'll share with them what my list is, right? And so some examples of things might be, um, your body or your health, right? Your home, your, your spouse, your child or children, um, finances or career, your spiritual wellness, right? And kind of some people break things down more detailed or, or leave it broad. But I have my client make a list of the segments of their life that are important to them. And then from there, we have them put one, each, one segment in each of the wedges of the pie, right? And then they kind of give themselves a little bit of a score on how well they feel they're doing at each of these segments and we create a visual with that and I don't know if it's going to be easy for me to explain what this looks like with just words here but um essentially we'll have them imagine that like the spoke of the wheel is or the center of the pie right it's like zero percent like if you felt like you know what I'm not doing anything to really cultivate my physical wellness then you know that line kind of would get drawn in that wedge um, horizontally from one side of the wedge to the other side of the wedge closer to the center of the pie right or the spoke of the wheel and then if you say oh man I'm really crushing it like I'm like I I'm a hundred at this right now right like I'm eating right I'm moving my body I'm getting regular massages and I'm going to the appointments I need to go to like I'm in perfect physical health I'm going to give myself a 100 right and so what I will say to clients when we get to this point is that this this is what's perfect for you. This isn't perfect for Joe or Susie or Mary or the per girl next door or the gal you see on Instagram. And this doesn't necessarily mean that you're in perfect health, but what it does mean is that you're giving 100% to this area of your life and that you are proud of you for that, right? So we wouldn't change anything. We wouldn't alter anything. We would just celebrate you at being 100 in that pledge, right? So and I always invite people to do this with a spirit of non-judgment and just curiosity as well, right? Because it's not a time for beating themselves up, just a time for getting curious. But this can be really eye-opening because then they look, get to look at like the whole picture, like, wow, this looks really out of whack. Or I'm so surprised at how um, low my scores are, right? Or sometimes how high they are, right? And then we can really recognize um, strengths. And then from there, I'll have them take those eight um, segments and prioritize them, right? And then we compare their prioritization to how it's showing up in their lives, right? So for example, if they prioritize their spiritual wellness uh, at number one, but let's say they gave themselves a 30%, right? Or let's say um, they would prioritize their work or career down at number seven, but yet they would give themselves a 100, right? We can see how things begin to get out of whack. Um, and then we kind of work on a plan to strategically kind of rebalance. And so what we do from there is we take that priority list and I'll invite them to keep that. We'll make that into a notes they can put on their phone or sometimes if they're visual or visual people, you know, tactile, we'll write that down and send it home with them. 
And then I encourage Kim, like you do one or two things per segment per day and, or per week, right? Sometimes it's a per week thing. And then you kind of working through from top to bottom. So you're always then doing the most important thing in every segment and you're prioritizing each segment based on your value system. And so um, to me, I, I love this as a really kind of fleshed out way of staying focused and staying in accordance with those values like you guys both talked about and ideally being able to get to the end of the day or the end of the week and say, I did good. Yeah. <laughs> I do find that sometimes people struggle with reconciling something they value and then feeling or prioritize, right? And then feeling that, giving themselves permission to focus on that. You know, I work with a lot of moms that are fully committed to their children, but have very little carved out for themselves. And it's tough it's tough. Right. And accepting that it's okay to carve some time out for yourself. Right. And that if you, if it means you're, you know, spending 30 minutes less with your kids every day, it's a really hard shift for people to make. Right. Um, and I find that that's a roadblock that can be challenging, right? This idea that you mom person are still a whole person, right. And you still have goals and needs and desires, and it is okay to feed those and be a mom. What do you guys, what are your experiences with that? And I guess what is your, I don't know, what's your magic tool to kind of help people pass that hump? Because, you know, it's that mom guilt. It's real, right? It's, well, if I go to work, I'm missing this, but I really like to feel productive and contribute, or I have to, right? And it's, it's really hard sometimes to get people over that hurdle to take that first step. I love this. I love everything that you guys have shared about the values and breaking it down and then putting in, you know, a certain amount of energy into those important things. And, and I love this question. So, and this reminds me of something too, that I sort of wanted to touch on um, as part of the priority and the value, it kind of ties into all of it is even with, with housework, sometimes when I have a big to-do list professional-wise and I just don't have the mental capacity, just not in the energy, I'm procrastinating, whatever it is, I, mean, I have no clarity um, and laundry needs to get done, sometimes I actually find more joy and productivity in housework. So I'll get yeah. the laundry done or do the dishes or make, you know, do the meal prep that I've been wanting to do, knowing that now I'm not gonna have that time in my day to get my other list done but it's going to have to wait till tomorrow because right now this is serving my mental health. So sort of to answer that question, I feel like that's one of my tools that I ask myself on that sort of a value scale of um, how does this activity serve me or which activity rather would serve me best right now. And when I am cluttered and overwhelmed in my mind and I don't have clarity on how to move forward, then I won't move forward in a productive way anyway. All right. Like it's not very beneficial um, and so sometimes just doing that housework or sitting down to do the puzzle. And if you can do that and put everything else aside, that is where I value sometimes like my, what is my, how, what's going to best serve my energy. So my mental state, my physical, and then once I get that done and the house isn't cluttered anymore, or that project I've been putting off is done, it's not, it's not a waste of time. And I, maybe some people still will have that guilt or they feel like they have wasted that time, but if it's something that needs to get done anyway, it's sort of like you're shifting around the priorities for me on the mental level. Um, 
And then, so what I would say on that mom guilt is I have helped a lot of women and moms and women in general, uh, but especially moms. Um, this comes up again and again, especially as a yoga teacher with um, yoga, meditation, Reiki. Sometimes they put it off with, it comes up with money too. Well, I would love to go on your yoga retreat or I really want to do teacher training, but I just can't spend that money on myself right now. Um, they say that on myself, I have to put this into my family or my home or whatever. I can't spend that time on myself right now. And so what I use again and again, the thing that was taught in my first teacher training was again, that oxygen mask analogy that we can't serve our children and our families and the world, especially if you have this higher purpose to help others in the, in this kind of uh, way of life that you need to put on that oxygen mask first or else what got good are you doing? Right. We're just kind of stressed and running around and were you spending all this energy, but it's not productive energy in the way of serving others, being present with our children, or even putting that, energy into our business. And if it's out of balance, you know, then we're not putting enough energy into those things that serve us and then which helps to serve others. So I ask clients and students to just remember that, that your mental health is first, because if you fall apart, you're not serving your family and children. So um, I ask them to start with something small, like I've been using with my, what on this list is the most most important one thing, like really simple, what one thing can I do? And in my training courses and programs, I, I simplify it so that they can get grounded. Like I think the most important thing for moms, especially is first thing in the morning before their kids are awake. And if they, if they get woken up by their kids, I think a really important tool, a really valuable thing you can do for yourself is to make sure you set that alarm or you wake up intuitively before you, your kids get up even five minutes because you need that time to regroup, to quiet, you know, have your, let your mind be quiet, whether you're physically meditating or not, it's sort of a meditative state. So getting grounded in the morning and taking that time. And if not taking that five minutes or one minute that we talked about earlier to reset your own energy. So it can be in these fraction of moments where we're serving ourselves and giving us uh, ourselves that self-love by taking a moment to reset, to regroup. So even that is self-love, that's self-care. And then as they start to understand the value and the benefit that this is serving their own mental, emotional health, as well as their families and their lives, then they start to take a little bit more time, a little more time. Um, so I think it's a process of really breaking down uh, like what you touched on the values and what is really important. And if family is really important, then taking care of myself is really important. So I would say the, um, just to kind of dial it back in, the easiest thing to implement is starting small, starting simple, starting easy. And then eventually more and more, maybe they'll go on a yoga retreat one day or go get a massage and spend, you know, a spa day with their girlfriends. Um, yeah. I always congratulate women when I meet them that take that time for themselves that are coming in for Reiki, going to therapy, getting a massage or going on a trip with some friends. I just always congratulate them for that because yeah. it's, it's hard to do, but it's important. Buddy, let's have a spa day. I mean, for real. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I think we get so, um, we lose sight, you know, I have a lot of conversations with people that are like, well, if I do those things that, you know, then, you know, I won't be paying attention because like, but your kids are watching. My mm -hmm. kids know that I work out. I work out to blow off steam. I work out because it makes me feel better. I like to feel strong. And like, honestly, it's, it's, it's where I release stress. Right. So when I don't, I get cranky and agitated and impatient and all those things. Right. 
they know that if I need to take five minutes and lock myself in my closet, it's because I need five minutes to go in my closet or the pantry or wherever I need to hide in that day. Right. It's not, I'm not removing myself from them. I mean, I guess behaviorally I am, but what I am trying to teach them is that I need a few seconds to regroup every now and then. And I'm also going to ask for it, whether it's my children, my husband, or anyone else. And I'm going to take it so that I can then continue with my life and continue to engage, right? So I think sometimes we just need to reframe what we're doing. It's not being selfish. It's We're teaching our kids that it is okay, right, to do things you enjoy. It is okay to take care of yourself. It is okay to carve out time to nurture your own mind, body, and spirit instead of having to sacrifice it all for fill in the blank, whatever we choose to sacrifice it for, right? Um, and so I think once parents can kind of start to, to see that of like, okay, I'm also doing it for my kids, right? There's there's a little bit more of a, of a buy-in, I think, because they're watching mm-hmm. and they know when we don't take care of ourselves. So, okay, ladies, I'm curious, what are some of the biggest arguments against this, right? What is the biggest pushback that you guys see and hear from your clients when we start to encourage them to do things for themselves and to put themselves first? resources okay time, like money time enough time money. money time and money probably excuses um and i think <laughs> these excuses are you know behavioral because they're not i think especially in my line of work doing the work the inner work like therapy yoga meditation and changing your behaviors and really taking ownership of your reactions and your emotional patterns it's scary. And a lot of people don't want to do it. And I know that that's only one part of it, but sometimes looking inward, right. And taking ownership of yourself and, and giving yourself love to yourself. It feels selfish. It feels scary. They don't want to look at the stuff. They don't want to really um, analyze their thoughts and emotions. And they don't want to take that time because it's easier to pour love out. It's easier to give to others and take care of everything else around you. It's also, a dis- I, so to answer that question, a lot of the excuses I would call them is um, they're, I think they're just distractions. So they say, you know, time, money, resources, like you said, well, you know, my spouse's schedule doesn't allow that or my kid's schedule or just, it's just too much. Like they just, it's just a big pushback in general, I would say. But I believe that these excuses are um, a way to distract themselves from the work of doing of healing and growing and evolving in their own lives. Cause it's not easy to do that. And they think if they take care of everybody else, then I am, I am good. <laughs> so, and so sometimes using that, um, the busyness as a way to avoid. Yes. And that if we ask them to stop being so busy and to be mindful or intentional or to slow down, to give themselves some time or some energy or some resources that challenges that coping strategy of avoidance, right? Ooh. And so I know Claudia, you know, as therapist, and maybe Kim, you see this too, like this is when we get pushed back, right? It's when we start challenging our clients, like maladaptive coping strategies. We're like, well, you know, right. Cause it's not really like what you're saying is, okay, if this is a strategy for avoiding, right. Avoiding, look at it ourselves avoiding um, doing that work, right? Then if we try to take that away from them by gently suggesting that they do something that, like imagine like asking somebody, well, 
go outside and get some fresh air or go to a yoga class or go to a massage, right? And they could get mad at us, <laughs> right? It sounds like we're, we're the, we should be like a fairy godmother, but really like when we start asking people to do things differently than their defense mechanisms, we can get pushed back even if it is something um, like that, which could be such a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, well, it also requires um, taking ownership of your stuff, right? Like, I'm stressed out, I'm unhappy, I'm agitated because I'm doing something, right, that is or is not contributing to that. Um, and I think that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes. And I think people get there. But I always look at it as like, maybe you're not uncomfortable enough yet. Maybe you're not unhappy enough yet. Maybe you're not agitated enough yet. Because when you are and it's like you're done with it, you've like reached that threshold. I think that's when you start people saying, I'll do anything. I'll try it. You know, but if we're just a little uncomfortable, sometimes we're willing to sit there in our in our overwhelm and discomfort a little while longer. Um, Change is hard. Looking at yourself is hard. Doing the work is hard, you know, and sometimes people choose to not. Mm -hmm. I think you're, you're so right about that. And this actually has come up a lot uh, lately with myself that I, because I teach from where I'm at, you know, and I teach my own life experience and I experienced recently this strong resistance against getting on my mat and doing the physical yoga practice, uh, which I know serves my mind, my body, my, my life. And there was still this resistance because my mind was too busy or it's the, just like what people say, I can't do yoga because my mind's too busy. I had a hard time getting on my mat and eventually my body started aching and it was, you know, different causes, emotional, physical, whatever. I knew yoga was the answer and I didn't do it until I was in enough pain where I'm like, oh God, I have to do this now. My hips are aching and I have to get on this yoga mat because it's the only thing that's going to help right now. And then through the physical movement and releasing of energy, I can work on the mental stuff that will also help with my physical manifestations of pain. But I was avoiding and I realized that, oh my gosh, I didn't take action until it got so bad. Yeah. So that is such a true statement. And I think when you're on the path and you have a little bit of experience with you, you've done a little bit of the work, then it's easier to get back to, but those who have been avoiding and denying and, and putting their um, happiness uh, into others, like um, identifying with their children or their lives, like, oh no, I'm happy. Life is good, but really they're unhappy inside, but they can't admit it because they don't think that they there's it's warranted. They don't believe that there's a reason for it. I can't, I can't be happy. I have everything. Um, and I, I see that a lot, but until they recognize, well, what is it in here? That's unsettling. Like you said, the, when you get to that point of enough is enough, I'm not feeling balanced. I'm not feeling happy and I don't know why, and that's okay. And then maybe seeking that help and then finally admitting that. And then, you know, hopefully <laughs> be receiving those tactics that we hand out. Yeah. I think there's so much power in that. Like, it's just okay. Right. It is. I think a lot of times what we need is just to know that we're okay the way we are. And then somehow that releases some pressure and allows us to move forward. Like even this idea of it is okay to have everything and still not be happy for some reason. Right. Okay. Don't feel bad about that. That is okay. That is your experience and it's completely valid. Right. It is okay to be mindful that I am avoiding my yoga mat, that it would probably be in my best interest to move, but I am going to not, I'm choosing that 
And I know it's not the best choice, but I'm still going to choose it. And it's okay that I chose that. You know, I, Monday uh, things, my schedule got completely cleared and I was going to do all these like CEUs and finish this book I've been reading forever and be super productive. And I did none of that. I sat myself (laughs) on the couch and rented a movie and watched it. And you know what? Like, it'll all get done. And par- yeah. and the movie wasn't even good. It was boring. And I was like, wow, this is a waste of two hours. But I finished it because I am a, you know, goal setter. Um, <laughs> and in the end, I left that day being like, well, I still haven't finished the book. And I didn't really do anything to benefit me in any way. The movie wasn't even enjoyable. But then I looked at the day and was like, okay, so like, it is okay that I wasted an afternoon and we'll go get it another day. It's not a big deal, right? But I think sometimes we have to be okay with making choices that are not in our best interest and just acknowledging that was not a good use of my time. I probably could have booked a massage that would have been more enjoyable, but I didn't, right? And mm-hmm. that's okay. And I think sometimes just that permission mm-hmm. to make, you know, choices that are not in our best interest to avoid things we know we shouldn't, right? To eat the thing we knew we shouldn't eat, whatever it is, like we just need to be okay. Um, and give ourselves permission to, to mess up. I completely agree with that and can totally relate. And my perspective on that through my experience of that being in my own life and through other and clients' lives is what I've learned to recognize in myself is the cycles of energy. And so if you're pouring energy into work, whether it's productive or overwhelmed and chaotic or life, you know, we're busy no matter what, whether it's mental or physical energy we're pouring into every single day that when we finally, especially as moms, when we finally have that time away from kids, this is what it happens to me all the time where I'm like, I'm going to be so productive and get all this stuff done. But my energy doesn't match that. My goals, my, my energy doesn't match my goals. The momentum is not there. And I found with myself personally, I know it's because I need to decompress and it takes me a little transition time to um, transition from mom and go and do to being alone and still trying to be sort of accountable to myself. And sometimes I just need that rest. And it's not even sleeping rest, like a oh, well, nap would have been better. You know, a yoga nidra would have been healthier for me or reading a book. Sometimes my mind is just not into a book. I just don't have the energy to put into receiving that beautiful knowledge of this book that I know would benefit me. And sometimes it's mindless TV or Netflix, a movie because it's a reset. So I've learned in my life that that is a necessary reset sometimes and to just forgive it and just go, well, you know, I I can start over tomorrow. There's always tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Or I might even challenge you guys though, because, you know, I hear this concept of like not making the right choices and forgiving ourselves, but I don't know that I would agree with that. Um, I think my perspective on it's a little bit different that I think that Claudia, that was the right choice for you to sit on the couch for two hours. Like, sorry, the movie sucked, but like, I think that was what you needed, you know, even if you were sitting there and not doing anything or not watching anything or twiddling your thumbs, I think that that was what you needed, right? That's what you intuitively needed that day. And so I think you gave yourself the exact right thing, you know, and Kim, when you watch um, a Netflix, instead of reading, uh, you know, something mentally stimulating that would maybe enrich you. I don't think there's room for forgiving that because I think that that's the right thing in that moment for you, right? You're listening to your intuition and there's value in, in doing nothing. There's value in fun. There's value in pleasure seeking, right? There's value in 
just cutting up and cutting loose or just sitting and being right. And I think our society, right. And even us as helping professionals can get, get kind of slippery slope, like back into this belief system that in order to be good, quote unquote, right. We have to be productive. And, and that's not true, right? Like that we need, we need rest. We need nothing time we need to cut up or to cut loose or to turn off sometimes and and I don't know if I think that that's making the wrong choice or making a bad choice or something to be forgiven does that make sense yeah well yeah and yes I do see your point in those examples but I also do think that sometimes those we work with maybe engage in more self destructive behaviors that are, um, you know, maybe not in their best interest. And even on like a really basic level, this like martyrdom thing moms get, right? Like I will sacrifice all for my children. And while I get that, I fight that urge too, right? But again, is that sustainable? Does that, do I get myself in a place where I am resentful of my family and my kids because I chose to give up all of me for them and now I'm pissed and angry all the time because they're ungrateful or however I'm going to write, like conceptualize this. And I think, you know, in general, we as people kind of get in those patterns sometimes where we do some, we make some choices and then blame other people <laughs> for how they, how they turned out and they might not be in our best interest, but yes, I agree with you that rest and sometimes doing nothing is exactly what one needs. Right. But our bodies are telling us like, you know, sit down well, and I'm done. Right, and our minds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gosh, I, such good things. I mean, right. We, what, how do we start this talking about moms balancing career and home, right. And this desire to be present with our children, but also kind of feed our bank accounts and feed our minds and feed our spirits as individuals, uh, humans on this planet that are separate from just being mothers, right? Um, we're not separate, but you know, in addition to being mothers, right? That those we have other aspects of ourselves, right? And those didn't stop when we gave birth. And this idea of like, okay, finding that balance, even among and between and within all the things that we prioritize and all the things that we value. Any kind of parting words you guys would want to offer for um, women? or men even, right? We don't want to assume that this is solely a, a mother-centric topic, right? But any human struggling to find prioritization, to find balance, to find self-care, self-love, um, whether they're parents or not. I, I would love to finish off by just bringing both of your last two points together and uh, and say that, you know, finding even the balance of that where, like I was saying, I understand my cycles now and where I just need to check out and, and just know that and just acknowledge. I think that acknowledging where it's self-sabotage mm -hmm. or is it what I need? And I know that that can get a little confusing and we tend to have a lot of like guilt and stuff around it. Or maybe we make excuses and say, I'm not self-sabotaging. I need this extra glass of wine or whatever it is. But um, I think that's where the awareness comes in. The self-acceptance, the, 
radical acceptance of yourself right where you are and whatever it is you need, whether it's yucky, it doesn't look good from the outside, maybe you're not so proud of these behaviors or reactions, but they're there for a reason, like emotions coming up that you have to deal with. And then so I think that's important to see, to understand yourself. So to know the self is very important. And then to know the self is to love the self. You can't love yourself if you're avoiding and you're denying who you are and you're making excuses and you're guilt tripping yourself constantly. Um, you know, so really finding those cycles, those patterns, understanding yourself to the fullest and then your values and where is my intention with this? And, you know, is this feeling valid? Is it even mine? Is it, you know, serving me right now? And I think that's really important. So the self understanding, knowing the self can lead to the self love, and then you don't have to forgive yourself. And, um, and then if you're self-sabotaging, recognize that sometimes you can still do it and go, well, that maybe that was self-sabotaging. That didn't feel so good. Maybe I'll choose something different next time. But I think that's where that, you know, analyzing of the self self-awareness comes in. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Anything else you want to add? Um, no, I mean, you know, I, I think my experience and in working with others kind of in this same vein is that it's ongoing process. You know, you, you, you're in balance one day and you completely aren't the next day. And, um, it's not a goal you ever reach because our kids' needs are changing, our needs are changing, and it's it's a constant reevaluation. So I just like people to know that it's just like an intention, right? It's it's you're mindful of how you're navigating. You're not doing it right or wrong. You're just being more mindful, and you know, um, it's a it's a constant renegotiation, a constant reevaluation, and there's no there's no like prize at the end, and there's no finish line, right? Um, so I think just, just knowing that, just knowing that it's a constant assessment of, you know, how do I keep this balance? How do I keep balance in this moment? Right. Maybe it's minute to minute and it's not even looking at day by day. Um, and we're all going to mess it up and we're all going to throw ourselves off balance and out of balance and, you know, and it's okay. And we'll all regroup and try again. Um, <laughs> but I like to think of it that way because, you know, I think it's helpful not to, to have an unrealistic expectation of what life and navigating life is like. Oh, I love that. I think I'll just add one thing as my kind of little checkout, right? Which would maybe um, to your point, like just expanding on that, that balances even have to be measured or assessed on a daily basis, right? I think that's been a recent learning process for me that I know that I cannot get everything in one day, right? So maybe I look at, expanding the time window that I am assessing myself by, right? Like maybe it's a day and a half or two days, right? That I get in what I thought maybe, or if I were quote unquote perfect, right? If I checked all the boxes would be an, a daily thing, but maybe it takes me two days to get that stuff done. Or maybe I look at on a week basis, right? Okay. Over the, the week, have I done well, right, by my own assessment based on all these segments of my life and addressing what is screaming the loudest at me in each segment and kind of just expanding out that time. I think that's a learning curve for me that really has been helpful to this point of like, there's very little that's actually an emergency, right? That that everything really like, okay, so what if, if I think I should do this on a 24 hour schedule? What if it takes 36 to get to it? That's That's okay. Right. Yeah. Being willing to adjust. Oh, yeah. 
and your schedule, right? Your experience, your, your balance, which may look very different, you know, than mine. And I think that you said it before, Katie, like this, not comparing and not Mm -hmm. using somebody else's template, right? Because it's not yours. Yeah. So good. Well, we, I feel like we could talk forever in a day, but we should probably wrap up because our listeners are probably exhausted. Their ears are bleeding. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I love having guest speakers. I'm so glad you kind of came to play with us. I know. Kim, where can people find you on social media? Uh, well, uh, two places. Let's just go with my business, Sunshine Yoga School on Instagram and Facebook. Yay. Sunshine Yoga School. Love it so much. And Claudia and I are going to post this on ours as well. Claudia is Mighty Oak Parenting and I am Rob and Katie Truax. Um, So we will have our links to this up on all of our social media. And as always, if there's a topic that you want to hear about, um, or if you want to join us, put a comment down and we'd love to, to read what you write. Yay. Right. Bye. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Bye. You too.